Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like and thumbs up there. Please and thank you. Be muchly appreciated. Joining me today, Richard Stamen at Mads Draft on Twitter. Also, Locked on NBA Big Board. They were doing great work around this time of the year. Uh, spoke to a few of them over the years um, with some of the prospects coming in, and they're all good people. Great count to follow. How are you, sir? How are things? Thank you again for joining me. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, I think this is our third year in a row now doing this, so always good to be on. Hey, man, I know where I got to go to get the, the good stuff, <laughs> so you're one of them. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, uh, if you probably tuned in a little while ago, we spoke to a few people about, you know, where the Raptors are, um, the pick that they're getting, and some of the prospects that could be the most enticing. But now, since then, rumors circulate, and now there's a chance that the Raptors could get into that, you know, top 10 if they're interested. They have interviewed a, a few players already in that uh, projected area, and also there's that third pick from the Portland Trailblazers. So if that happens... Who are the guys to go with? That's why we bring on Richard to help us out with it. But with that Blazers third pick, and I think most of us know the situation with them, it's Damian Lillard and they're committed to him. They want to build around him while others may feel that you don't build around Dame. You you trade him, you you start, you restart, um, but they're not interested in doing that. Maybe because he's still playing at an unbelievable level and superstars are hard to find. It could be that. But if you're in the, the Trailblazers shoes here, what are you doing with that third pick? I think you have to trade it. You have to at least trade back, right? Like you're in such a difficult situation. I think the one thing I will play devil's advocate on though, is Mm. I don't think it's like Dame or Scoot. I think that's a big misconception. I really think they have to choose almost between Anthony Simons and Scoot, which it, it feels like everybody's just jumping right to Dame, but you can move off of Simons and he's, he's got a lot of, uh, you know, positive equity, positive value. I would say, just sure. being young, he has a good, it's a big contract, but it's not a bad contract. I think ultimately they have a tough decision to make. If I had to go one way, I mean, I would still take Scoot. Like he's that good of a prospect. Yeah, it's a weird one, right? Like, why do you need to, why do you need to trade uh, Damian Lillard? Why can't you just add Scoot and, you know, build around both of them? Um, I don't know what it's going to take for them to realize that, you know, a small backcourt isn't really the best <laughs> best way to go in the NBA. It was like CJ McCollum, then they brought in Norm Powell, which was, again, very strange. And here we are again with Anthony, Anthony Simons. But in the end, I mean, they're going to do what they want to do. And uh, if you can leverage Scoot to get someone really, really good, I think there's some reports about them wanting, you know, a star small small forward i guess but uh it's not the worst idea to kind of do both but in the end um the toronto raptors they have players that could help them if they want to go that side of things so there's og ananobi there's pascal siakam um we can fantasize and come up with all kinds of different trades that might work but there is a way there is a path and also there's going to be heavy competition for that third pick going back to a few months ago i mean at least from 
a person on the outside looking in. It was Wemby and then it was Scoot. But then now there's Brendan Miller. And he's had uh, he's been you know slowly going up the draft rankings, and here we are. So if you're the Hornets, because they are the team that's picking second, is it Scoot or Brandon Miller for them? I I think they should take Scoot for a variety yeah. of reasons. One, he's the highest upside player. Like he's the number one pick in probably half of the last draft mm. since 2013. So I think like it's pretty obvious he's a he's a three-level score, outstanding decision maker in the pick and roll. He's yeah. jacked. He's going to be able to play defense as much as he wants to. It's really going to come down to motor. That's how it was in the G League at least this year. Hmm. And I think he can play off ball and, Lame- and Lamelo can play off ball. Like there's just really no downside. If you, in, in this NBA, like I've seen too many people say, oh, it takes the ball out of Lamelo's hands. How many backcourts in the league don't have two very capable guards, like primary ball handlers yeah. in their starting lineup? It's very common. It's more uncommon if you don't. So I don't think that's like a very fair criticism. I think they have to take Scoot. Mm. Even in these playoffs, like I like looking at, you know, especially with the Toronto Raptors, they didn't make the playoffs. And you want to compare them to the teams that are still standing. And uh, one of the things that does stand out is the amount of ball handlers that are on the court at all times. We went through, you know, we need size at all positions. And now it's kind of coming back to wait, hold on a second. If you have, you still need guards. And if you have multiple ball handlers, that's multiple pick and roll actions, that's movement shooting, um, that's speed, that's rim pressure, and that's all needed. So I, I kind of agree with you. It's it's hard sometimes to to come up with a, a forward that makes sense for your starting lineup. So that might be the counter, although school may be, the better prospect. Brandon Miller kind of fits like a glove to some degree, and it addresses something that is hard to find in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, small forwards like Brandon Miller don't come around too, too often at 6'9". But also at the same time, I mean, Scoot's so advanced for his age. I I think he's almost more rare than – I mean, I think he is more rare than than Brandon Miller. And you look at just how valuable having that go-to star guard is. Like, you're you're Mm. a playoff ticket every single year. I know Scotty Barnes and Scoot Henderson, they got a relationship. They're friends. They share each other's IG stories. So that's that's where I want things to go, personally. Um, with the Raptors, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty around the franchise. But if you got a chance, and sometimes you swing for the fences and you just go for it, no different than when they acquired Kawhi Leonard and yada, 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 they won a championship. If you got a chance to do something like this, especially after the season that they just had, I feel like they have to try and get in those sweepstakes. But if the Blazers are like, we're going to take Scoot anyways, or if the Hornets are saying we're going to take Scoot anyways, then I guess it kind of all goes for not because they don't really need any more forwards. They're good. They got lots of forwards. We can move on from that now. Uh, need some guards on the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Um, but after that, though, those are probably the three certainties, I would say, right? Wemby, Scoot, and Brandon Miller? Yeah, I think so. There's there's like slight rumors of Amon Thompson getting there, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So then after that, uh, I guess, who are the best prospects in, in your mind in this in this draft? Yeah, so Amin Thompson would be number four. Um, yeah. Those three, I think the the top three all get their own individual tier. Like there's a gap between Wemben Yam and Scoot, Scoot to Miller and Millman. Uh, for me, simply with Amin, the jump shot is just far away and he's playing in, mm. you know, just inferior competition to everyone else in front of him. So... I think that's really why he's down there. He'd also probably be on a tier on his own. Once it gets yeah. to five, though, it gets really difficult. I think I think there's going to be a lot of just surprise in this regard because if you ask, I bet if you ask five GMs who their number five player is, you would not get the same number five at any consecutive point. Like I, mm. There's an argument for Asar Thompson. 
Taylor Hendricks, Jairus Walker, Cam Whitmore. You could even have some dark horses in there like Case Wallace. I know he has a lot of fans in front offices. So there's just there's so many different ways to go. Personally, for me, I take Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker. Like you can pick your boy, like not really poison, but pick which one you want more. And I, I think I can accept either one. Hmm. Interesting. Case and Wallace, he's getting some attention, you said. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. He, he had a good uh, pro day in Chicago. I know that definitely uh, helped his stock, which actually I, I took a video of it and you can see two, I think it's two Raptors guys were right there watching him just drain 14 of 18 from one corner. He just got Ooh, hot baby. to end it. They said, keep shooting until you miss. And he basically just went, I think he made like almost 10 threes in a row. You said from the corner? Yeah. But, corner threes. Yeah, you know, it's a corner, but yeah. it's yeah, it's no, but that's something though. It's still corner threes. Yeah. That's, that's another trendy topic these days is uh corner threes and can you have an efficient player shooting from from that spot? He's like the player that is like the seamless fit because of how NBA ready he is. Um, I some people have challenged, you know, what's the upside with him? Is it that much higher than what he is? What is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, you never know with Kentucky guards. I think there's always an element of hidden mm. uh just ability. The reason for him not having this high upside label on him is really just he's kind of a minimal like his high level that flashes like flashy play, excuse me, of creation just aren't really there. He's very like he goes in a straight line, right? He's not zigging and zagging. He's just very Mm. straight line in everything he does, both as a ball handler, a slasher, however you want to define it. But he gets the job done. He's a monster on defense. You could also say all of those same things about Drew Holiday. So like. If he's in that yeah. mold, you're still getting somebody who's going to impact winning at a very high level. It just may not be like the the flashiest way. Yeah, it's kind of your player style too. If you're more of a, a downhill, you want to use your shoulders to get to the rim, that's a way to go about it. But also, I mean, the zigging and zagging, I think it's more appealing because of how intricate uh, defensive systems are these days. Um, you may need to you know, maintain your your dribble and just zig, zag, find an open open shooter, find a cutter. So that may be where it comes from. And maybe because he's also playing with Kentucky, perhaps they think that he can't do that, which I mean, it could be an underestimation of his skills, right? How many times do we see a player, you know, get on the NBA and all of a sudden they're showing all these skills that they were not supposed to have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I feel like in draft, like among draft people who make these scouting reports, they build up this perfect player. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have it, you get, you get dinged and all that too much. Sometimes, you know, how it's made like how it looks just doesn't doesn't matter as much like the aesthetic yeah so anthony black was a raptor was a person that the raptors have uh, reportedly interviewed um and you can see naturally why any franchise especially the toronto raptors would be interested he kind of reminds me of what they want delano banton to be but he's not there yet because of i mean the iq just isn't necessarily there yet being able to be a step ahead with his reads but yeah uh, your thoughts on anthony black yeah, Anthony Black's pretty good. Uh-huh. There's a reason yeah. he's up there in the top 10. Uh, I, I think it's going to be really hard for him to escape the top 10. He's right now is still a little bit theoretical where he has the tools to be good, right? Very good athlete. His frame is outstanding. His motor's good. His defensive yeah. tools are there. He's good in the pick and roll. I think the pick and roll upside actually is hidden because the Arkansas spacing was so bad, but he still has to refine a lot of those point guard skills and getting them consistent where he's, I mean, I saw, I just saw him in high school. He's from Dallas. I'm in Dallas and he still has had this turnover issue where too many simple turnovers that guys at his you know caliber just should not be having. So I think he's got to brush up on that. That's something that the most point guards at his age struggle with. So I'm willing to give it a pass. 
What really worries me is the jump shot and the passiveness. He can, you know, he's got this good frame. Is he willing to to go up and bang against other guys and and take the hit? He's got to prove that he can do that night in and night out. And then also the jump shots just it's not that it doesn't really stand out. Like the percentages aren't strong. He doesn't have yeah. a high free throw percentage. His three point percentage was was mediocre. And and the numbers on that were 30% from three, 70% from the line. Generally with mm. a guard, you want to see my bar is 75. It's a safe bet. You can go down to 73 and, and that's like a gamble. But 30, like the three point percentage, whatever, but the free throw percentage does alarm me. Yeah guard that can't shoot very well is a bit of a problem, um, especially in today's NBA. And you can develop those skills. I saw there was a video that was circulating circulating of um, him working with Steph Curry's uh, trainer on his jump shot. And it looks quite different now. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, it's a lot tighter. It's a lot uh, more fluid. It looks actually similar to to Steph Curry's, but yeah. See, I I never believe those workout videos. We saw the one in 2020 where Devin Vassell supposedly broke his jump shot and he's fine. Like, I just feel like you can't make a significant enough change in that much time where I don't read into mm. that stuff anymore. Did you see the video? No, no. For no, that no. reason, I, I didn't even let myself. Oh, get I there. see what you're saying. <laughs> I was curious if you saw something with the mechanics, like obviously shooting just, you know, empty gym, no one's contesting it. Like it's a lot easier than anything else, but maybe the mechanics might be a little bit more uh, sustainable, I suppose. But it, with, with him though, I mean, the, the size, the ability to read defenses and be a, a step ahead of it, as I said earlier, uh, does stand out. And then you you add in that he just has that frame and then you can change paces a lot faster than probably other guards. And you're a weapon when you're going downhill because of that speed. Uh, he's a really enticing. Also, the defense, he seems like he really embraces um, being a ball stopper. Yeah, I think he's, again, I, the defense will come around. He just still has to learn like some ins and outs, like pick and roll defense. But he's young. I'm willing to bet on that. Again, the tools are there. I, I think he has yeah. a very safe, safe path to being a two-way guard. How do you feel about him as a pick and roll ball handler? He's definitely there. He's got he's got the skill. I again I kind of think Arkansas, their bad spacing hid him a little bit. Yeah. I think he can it, it's for himself, I think he's better than creating for others out of the pick and roll. Mm. But eventually, like as you get more and more reps. I feel like that's going to come for if you're a point guard, if like that'll be a real test for him. Is he really a point guard? Because as time comes, will he be able to make those reads for his teammates just as easily, you know, as he's making it for himself? You went to the combine in Chicago, right? Yep. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah, dude. It was it was one of the most uh, it, it was just like I mean, I've been keeping up with the draft. This is my <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say truly the 20th year, but I vividly remember the after the 03 draft, I was like, all right, like, this is incredible watching LeBron's hype. Like, I mean, I was nine sure. and I, I was blown away. And I, to me, it was like predicting the future when you look at the draft. Right. And I was like, that's just incredible. I was blown away as a kid and I've watched every draft since. So I, this was really like a dream come true. It was, it was outstanding. Nice. Um, what was the experience like? Was it just like you're walking around and you're watching essentially workouts or is there like a schedule of how it goes? How does it work? A little bit of both. <laughs> There's, yeah. So they have organized stuff like the everything you see, the scrimmages, the the testing, the shooting, like the shooting drills, all that. They're all on display. You can be anywhere on that. You could be floor level. There's really unlimited access. The only mm-hmm. area you couldn't be in, they had blocked certain areas off for just the NBA teams and their personnel. Other than that, it was like two sections. Other than that, you could be everywhere. I saw a lot of pro days, got to see a lot of guys' mechanics up close. The big takeaway for me was, in addition to just meeting a lot of people, was 
on these pro days, like these guys who I never could have seen up close in person throughout the season, like just because there's too many players, I got yeah. to see almost every player I wanted just mm-hmm. to see their mechanics. Cause in, you know, on video, you can't tell the t- tiny things like case and Wallace, for example, his thumb on his left hand on his, on his guide hand kind of gets in the way of his shot. And you can't see that on film. Like there's just no way to see that. But when you're that close, you can see all of it. I thought it was, fa- I, I just thought it was fascinating. Who decides what, what competitions or what events they, they participate in agents. I think yeah. players have some say, but the agents ultimately protect a lot. Hmm. That can be a double-edged sword. Very. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to show how they do in this because maybe you're not sure how they're going to perform. But then at the same time, yeah. um, another GM's like, well, I want to see them do this. And if you're not showing it to me, then I'm going to assume that they can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just calling one out. I mean, not really calling one out, just pointing it out. Clutch, for example, they had one person do anything at the entire combine. And it was Chris Livingston did all his testing. He didn't play in this in the mm. uh, scrimmages. That was the most any one player from Clutch did was me- was measure and test. No kidding. Um, was there a combine standout for you from what you saw? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jordan Walsh is one. Brandon Pazemski is one. Um, I think those are the two guys that absolutely popped for me. I think. I think Pazemski got to the first round for him. Like he was definitely one of the big winners. Yeah. So he was a person that I'm going to go in all the competitions. You're going to see what I can do. Right. Yep. Yeah. He, he didn't duck the second day either, which I really liked. Like he didn't play well in the second day, but he didn't need to. He, he was probably the best player in the, in the first day. And he just, he, he just kept playing in the second, even though he had probably already gotten some first round conversations. So that's where it is now. Do you think he's he's a first rounder? Yeah. Probably. I think he's the end rounder? of the first. Yeah. Cool. Um, the Raptors reportedly, again, we're just going off of Maxwell Lewis posting a photo on his ID stories where he's he's wearing Raptor shorts. So, eh. but uh, it seems like maybe he did a workout for the Raptors. And um, as more of these happen, like it's fun to see the the players. Like, I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply which ones they select. Actually, I'm curious what you think about this. Is there anything to the the players that get workouts with teams first versus, you know, a few weeks down the road? So I found this out recently. The way the stuff, if if a player met at the combine with a team, it was set up by the NBA. It wasn't something where the agents, like every team is required or every player I think is required. I forget, I think it's a two-way street, but I'm pretty sure every team is it's like a lottery for them. They get they get drawn into random meetings with random players. Essentially, it's like the quick oh. version. So if 
say Case and Wallace got a meeting with the Mavs. It wasn't set up by either party. The NBA facilitated it. It's like speed dating, pretty much. They they go around and they they start talking to all these other teams, and it's all consecutive throughout the week. They talk to like a hand, like ten teams probably, and then by the time the media days come and they're about to leave, that's when they start saying, "Hey, yeah, these are the teams I talked to." But so the ones before, generally the players at the combine aren't doing pre combine workouts. That's generally for the undrafted guys, but. Yeah. When you get to after, like now and on, if it, they met with them, that actually does mean more because that that is truly each side work to set that up rather than oh. the NBA. So that kind of negates my question here a little bit. <laughs> um, but Maxwell Lewis has been a name that's been, again, circulating with the Toronto Raptors. So um, a bit on on his game and where you think he's going to end up landing. Yeah, Maxwell Lewis is pretty much a – you look at these guards who they can do everything on offense, right? They can run mm. some offense. Uh, as a point guard, they can score. They can score really at all three levels. He has a good crossover. Um, it almost looks like the Allen Iverson crossover where he goes all, all the way right and then comes all the way left kind of thing. But it's and it's not a carry unlike <laughs> unlike AIs, but he's got a good crossover that I think he has a, a space creation move. He can rebound the ball. He sees the floor well. And also one thing I absolutely love about him. He loves embracing post-ups against smaller guys. Like he loves going against like beautiful. A, he's like six five, six six, I think. And yeah. if he goes at six three, six two guard on him, like even six one, because there's actually a handful in the NBA like that, he will take him to school. Like he will take him to the rim, post him up. He's not gonna do it against everyone, but in college he loved doing it. The one issue for him though is just really the defense has a long ways to go. I think Pepperdine did not enable that for him. Yeah. And he's going to be behind the curve because of it. So NBA, whatever NBA team takes him, they've got to be aware, hey, the defense may not be there, but the offensive mm-hmm. flashes are so strong that it's going to outweigh the defense. I've loved watching Jamal Murray post-up players um, during these playoffs, right? It's the yeah. playoffs, man, right? Yeah. Get your get your mismatch and go to work, and it's your job, wherever you are, to execute. So that's a, that's a vital skill for any team. They're going to think about that um, when it comes down to it. If he's in our starting lineup and – there's a few smaller guards out there. Okay, let's get Maxwell on the block. Let's see what he can do. Um, that's that's awesome. That's a it's a valuable skill for him. Of the switching to the Raptors back here now. So 13th pick, and again, we don't know where they're going to end up drafting. Um, there could be some players over the next few weeks that uh, really stand out for them. Maybe they want to move up a little bit. There's that 10th pick with the Dallas Mavericks. Maybe they do want to trade that. It seems like a, there's a strong indication that they they might. But anyways. Um, who are the can't miss guys for you at number 13 and keep in mind, I guess the Toronto Raptors and like, they, they need guards. They need shooting yeah. combo guards would be terrific. Please. I, I think there's a few, uh, personally, I'll, I'll just start with my highest rated player. If he's there, uh, at that point, and that would be Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan. Yeah. He's, he's a young sophomore. He's still 19 years old. He really didn't run point guard until this year ever. Like this is his first year as a point guard. And honestly, mm-hmm. It wasn't like glowing reviews everywhere, but it, it was not bad. It was never at one point like, oh, my God, stop, stop. Like it was never yeah. there. It was always, OK, we can tell you're trying, you're making some simple reads, but there are or mostly simple reads, but there are some advanced flashes. But the shots there, the motors there, the defense is there. Mm. He's a little undersized. I take it anyways. I think some of these under- undersized guys still find ways to really pop out. Two other names, I would say. Uh, also a guard in the Big Ten, Jalen hood Shafino. He's a bit bigger, 6'6". shooting real shooting upside in he's a better shooter than giving credit for people talk about him like he was a bad shooter but he still shot 36 percent from three so 
I, I think there's a lot there. Great pick and roll ball handler. Defense could go either way, but I think it'll ultimately be positive. And then lastly, I think this one is just the most Raptors pick of all. You, you know, everybody knows the Maasai uh, mm. measurements and everything. And there's one player in this draft and only one that fits that bill. And that's a Canadian, uh, as low-hanging as that is, and it's Leonard Miller. I think yeah. Leonard Miller is fantastic out of the G League Ignite. Really mm. two-way slashing forward. I think he's got a lot of upside that the Raptors would probably be the best team for him. Yeah, I don't mind that. One, that he's Canadian, obviously that helps, but um, it's the right kind of 6'9 player is what we're looking for. The right kind. And this past season, man, it was brutal. Like on multiple, multiple occasions, I'm just like, what am I watching? Like there's no spacing. Um, teams are hedging so tight to Pascal Siakam and he's asked to, you know, operate and uh, score against five players. It happened all the time. And I think, it again, I've said this so many times on this pod, game six against the 76ers, that's where it started. Um, it was the second half, and I'm not sure why Doc Rivers didn't do this defense earlier on because had they done that, they probably would have swept the Raptors. But it was that box-and-one kind of style defense stacked, and you got players on the elbows and blocks, and Pascal Siakam had five guys guarding him, and they said, I want to see all these other players hit shots. And then the Raptors got blown out <laughs> in the second half. And then fast forward to this season, and that was the defense that they kept on seeing. So... If they brought in a shooter, I mean, whoever they bring in, that has to be a shooter. I understand, you know, wanting to to acquire length, but again, there are things that a six five player can do with their speed and their ability to wiggle zigzag in the lane that is harder for um, a six nine six eight player to do. And that's where I'm landing, at least with the Toronto Raptors right now. But Jalen, yeah. uh, I love Jalen though. I love his game. Yeah, I think ultimately if all three of those guys are there for the Raptors, like on my big board, I have Leonard the lowest, which it's not even a knock on him. I, I still have him pretty yeah. high, like in the top 20 and everything. But I think you have to take Leonard Miller. Like just watching how they developed like Pascal Siakam, right? A lot of the similarities are there. I mean, you remember, of course, Pascal really took a while or not really a while, but like there was a learning curve with shooting. Like he wasn't, yeah. he was never a good shooter until I, I forget exactly which year, but it was towards the end of his rookie contract. Like, and even then I don't remember mm -hmm. if he was actually good or if he was just progressing. So yeah. Leonard Miller is going to follow that same exact path as a shooter, like where he's got the, the shot, I think is worse than Pascal's at similar points, but at the same time, like you just never know. I, I really do think there's a lot of room to grow there. And we know the Raptors can develop any forward. It feels like. Why not Leonard Miller, who's already got the professional off-court element, I think, behind him as in with the G League Ignite. They can easily develop him on on court. I would love Kobe. I think he uh, averaged 17-6-3 in his final 12 games. That's pretty damn good, man. Yeah. Yeah, he can do a lot. I mean, there's the best way I've heard him described is like, I, I had somebody ask me, they're like, so what does Kobe Bufkin do wrong? And I, I just couldn't answer. I was like, I mean, <laughs> he's new at point guard and he's not that strong. I don't know. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't, like in his actual game, like if you're breaking down film, it's really, really hard to find negatives. Yeah. He attacks closeouts. He can play off ball. He can play on ball. His approach is multidimensional. Um, he's got a decent wingspan. You can shoot the ball. Yeah. I, I love Kobe. Uh, I, I'm curious why you think he might be available at that point there's a weird disconnect i think between like twitter draft twitter and everything yeah. and like and the nba teams but i do think he's i think he might just be the size i mean he's six four it's not like super impressive hmm. that would be it and people are gonna go oh well jaylen hutchifino six six we can take him leonard miller's there you know there's there's higher upside plays than him 
Yeah. And I get it. I do think Kobe Bufkin, though, is, uh, is just high upside hiding in plain sight. And also, uh, you know, after I don't remember how many years it's been, almost 20, but, you know, it'd be great to get a, a Kobe in Toronto after, uh, sorry for the jab, but after uh, <laughs> everything that happened, you know, 81, all that. So I think yeah. that'd be kind of funny. I think at this point, Jalen Rose is more famous for that 81 than yeah. the Raptors. That's <laughs> hilarious. <true. enough. laughs> that commercial was hilarious. Fair. Kobe and, and Jalen. 81 olives, was it? 81 olives. <laughs> oh, man. Rest in peace, Kobe. Gotta say. A couple other guys that were rumored with the Toronto Raptors for that 13th pick, Nick Smith Jr. and Kevante George. So your quick thoughts on, I mean, Kevante, he's probably going to be t- get taken somewhere in that range, right? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, with, no. What happened? So with Ke- he's the Intel's not like super strong on him. He's only six three, six four, and he's a combo guard. His shot wasn't very good last year. I mean, the free throw percentage is there, but mm. like the thing with Keontae is he's got too many obstacles to overcome. The inefficiency, like it was a tale of two seasons. Yeah, he got hurt at the end of the season, but it just still isn't enough. The shot for someone who was labeled as one of the top shooters in the draft, he never really looked like it. And, hmm. and to me, that's worrying the non-conference. So if you watch the first like 12 games, roughly uh, you'll see the top 10 pick, but the problem is the next 20, it just, he barely looked like a first rounder. Like he had one or two major flashes, but that's it. I, I think he's going closer to 20 than 10. Wow. What about Nick Smith jr. Um, injury plague season, uh, the rumors were that he was projected to be one of the top picks going into this past season. Um, and then the injuries to them happened. And he said that, you know, that definitely impacted my play this year. What are your thoughts on him? <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'll start with the positives. Um, or actually, I'll start with the negatives. I'll, I'll end on Yeah, the let's end with the so, positive. <laughs> so with him, I really worry about his ability to run and pick and roll. That scares yeah. me. He He just... He's not a playmaker at all out of the pick and roll. And generally, he's not even really a playmaker. And mm-hmm. for me, when you're 6'4", six, 6'5", six, if you're being very generous, he's 6'6", six, six on a good day, and you're just like an off-ball shooter who can create a little bit, I guess, for himself. Yeah. I worry. I worry a lot. And even then, his the efficiency just wasn't there. And again, like free throw percentage is such a good indicator. But for him, it wasn't a strong standout skill. I mean, he shot 33.8% from three, 74% from the line. Like I said earlier, you want to see 75. And if you're an elite shooter, you should be hovering 80 at a minimum. So that's alarming. Mm-hmm. I know he was hurt, but touch is touch. And and free throw percentage is just such a reliably strong indicator that I do think there's real concerns about his jump shot. So I'm not like, sorry, not his jump shot, just how he translates with his jump shot not falling on a given night. Uh, that's really where I fall is, what does he do in that regard? But again, like to end on a positive, he's got a nice hezzy move. He can recover defensively. I think the defense might've looked worse because of injury. Spacing was bad again in Arkansas. Maybe he gets benefit of the doubt there and he, yeah. he absolutely can shoot. It's just, he's got to be more consistent. Final few for you. And this was, this has been a terrific chat. Um, just another, another riser, another person that's high, um, high upside that you feel um, could be, you know, a steal, if you want to call it that, but someone that's probably could get, you know, drafted late first round or something like that, or maybe they just make a jump because a team sees something in them. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, there's one that just screams this and that's Dariq Whitehead where he just had a foot uh, surgery. He battled two foot injuries during the season. He played through it, might've hurt him in a way in his stock. I think he probably goes 20 plus at this point, but mm-hmm. if he was healthy, I mean, he's a lottery talent. Like he's, he's a lights out shooter, very creative ball handler. 
yeah. can defend growing playmaker. I think he's somebody, if a team got to 20 and he's still there, like I, I would be trading up to get him. Like he's somebody fully worth it. That's going to easily outplay his value. The only reason he would fail in the NBA, I think is just because of injuries. It's not because of ability. Final one for you now. Um, just things that you learned at the NBA combine that you didn't know. Uh, that's a, that's a very tough question. That's a great question. I mean, uh, I'll say there are two things. Uh, one, I think we always underestimate how hard every single player works. Even the guys who, and there were a couple guys where I heard people talking about the work ethic being questioned and I was, it, it's incredible still how hard these guys are working, like, mm. but on both ends, even the low work ethic guys still work hard. And then the high work ethic guys are just unbelievable. They're addicted to basketball, like that kind of stuff. And then just kind of a little less, uh, you know, there's a lot of politics in basketball. I, I, you could see some of it. I can't really go into a ton of detail, but you know, go it's even spicy. going into the, even going into the, yeah, sources, like even going into the combine, like there's a lot of politics of who gets invited. There are guys that, you know, like in both the G league camp and the NBA camp that got there because of ties and things like that. So mm. you really kind of see it a little bit more in person. I, I think those are the two things. It's a little bit, you know, the downside, but it is true. Like who, you know, in basketball actually does matter in a way where these guys are going to get drafted better because of whether it's their representation, who they know, anything like that, it really does exist. So uh, for better or worse, it, it happens. And then Nikola Jokic happens. <laughs> <laughs> you just need a chance, right? Hey, well, man, there that... have been, you just need a chance. You just need a chance yeah. to show your stuff. And there have been so many players, especially with the Toronto Raptors, I mean, undrafted players. Um, Marcus Saul, I remember during the championship year, um, he had, he was asked a question about, you know, the amount of players that were on the Raptors in that championship year that were undrafted late picks. He's like, well, it's, says what we know about the draft, right? That it's not a reliable way to to uh, necessarily um, accurately look at where the talent is or stack rank the talent in a given year. Um, and some of it's probably just like, you know, the politics also, it's hard to know, you know, with so many different aspects, like, you know, what team are you on? How much are you being seen? What's your role on that team? Those are all things that that matter um, to how a person is evaluated. But yeah, um, I love seeing the undrafted guys get their due. That's always fun. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason, I mean, Fred Van Vliet was the first undrafted all-star, I think. And obviously like Toronto fans know firsthand just how valuable that is. But I mean, just speaking as a Mavs fan, I mean, they've, I've seen them bring in so many undrafted guys, Dorian Finney-Smith, JJ Barea. I mean, those are two staples of role players that have just Mm -hmm. stuck and become fan favorites. If you can, and the second round, I think is a lot of like, that's something also where politics come in, where guys are like, oh, I don't want a two-way. I want to play for a contract. And a team will be like, yeah. well, I'm only drafting for a two-way. So there's a lot of behind the scenes where that stuff does happen. So what happens on draft night really does not actually determine what the career for these guys will look like. Yeah, Fred Van Lee did that. Uh, Justin Champagne did the same thing too, where he was offered a two-way. Um, he's like, no, I want to compete for a roster spot. And uh, they both got it now. I mean, damn, like uh, Justin Champagne could become an NBA champion if the Celtics can pull this off. And <laughs> I don't think they're going to, personally. I don't think they're going to win three more games here. No. I doubt it. <laughs> no. A team that relies so heavily on jump shooting and is a different team when they do make shots versus when they don't. Yeah, I don't think that's a team that wins three straight games, especially against the Miami Heat. Um, but yeah, closing thoughts, anything coming up for you? What's What's happening? Yeah, we are somehow three and a half, four weeks away from the draft and it really snuck up. Honestly, the big thing really? I is <laughs> it was just I was just thinking like at the beginning of the month, I'm like, oh, it's so far away, seven, eight weeks away. And then now it's here and I'm like, wait, what? Like yeah. at the combine, I didn't realize that was the month mark. Like it, it was just right before. 
So it, that yeah. blew my mind. It's a, that sense of urgency kind of clicked now. Um, but for me, the big things, I mean, on my site, on I, I, everything I post through Mavsraft uh, on Twitter, but I do community mocks every single week where we have different GMs picking like Twitter GMs picking and it really predicts the unpredictability uh, in a way. I know that's a weird like oxymoron paradox, sentence, but <laughs> it really does happen. I mean, in 2021, we got, I think the entire top 10, right? So outside mm. of like one pick or something like that. So it, it's really, really more impressive than if I were like, oh, this is the Intel I've heard, which I've only done one of, but, and then also just scouting reports of just about doing the entire top 100. So I'm uh, going to get those more details, get shot charts, things like that. There's a lot going on there. Beautiful. So it's NBA Big Board Podcast at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Man, thank you so much. This was a great chat. Thank you for the intel. Um, keep your sources close to you, though. <laughs> thank you. 